All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Did you know Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments no it
Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of Canucks Conversation presented by the great folks at Parallel 49 Brewing. And if you haven't checked out the giveaway that we're doing, head over to the Canucks Convo Twitter account to see you guys can get entered in to win a gift package from Parallel 49 worth over $100. Quads, my name is Chris Faber, I gotta bring you in here. Episode 82, we have a lot to talk about, man. So much to talk about, and we didn't think we would either. We were talking about show ideas, and we're quickly running dry on the old uh, old noggin there when we were looking at what we're going to talk about, and all of a sudden, we have so much to talk about, and this episode <laughs> even had to get shortened. We're unfortunately not going to be able to have Corey Hergot on for riding the bus because of how much stuff we have to talk about. Yeah, most definitely. I wanted to come in here and say, you know, episode 82, do you know who the only Canuck to wear number 82 is? Nikolai Goldobin, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, I'm glad you nailed that. Uh, yeah, you wore that in the 2017 season. But yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, we're not going to have Corey on this week as we normally do every single week. There's a lot to talk about with Judd Brackett. Uh, we are going to bring on two guests though. Uh, I talked with Cam Robinson and uh, you talked with Rachel as well. Yes, Rachel Dory, former analyst with the New Jersey Devils, really knows her stuff and really knows the inner workings of an NHL organization. Like, I was almost blown away with how much kind of info that she knew about and knew like what she you just know she knows what she's talking about it was crazy when I was talking to her because I was like oh wow like I learned something during the conversation and anytime you do that you know it was a good conversation so very excited to have her on later in the show absolutely same thing with me and Cam uh there was so much that I learned from Cam I just like he's the guy that you want to bounce these kind of questions off of similar with Rachel so we're excited to get to both those conversations you know I think that I think I'm speaking for myself and you here that I think that's probably going to be the best part of the episode. Uh, I know that they gave some, I don't, I haven't heard Rachel's yet, but I've heard, obviously did the one with Cam and that was an awesome interview. So I'm excited to get to that, but uh, we better get to our opinions quads because this is, uh, this is the Canucks conversation uh, with Faber and quads. So we should probably give ours first before we dive into it too deep. So you wake up this morning, really late, by the way, at about 1030 at some point when you rolled out of bed. Uh, and you found out the news that Judd Brackett and the Canucks are parting ways. What were your initial thoughts? Well, first of all, I set an alarm because you and I were supposed to record this morning. So I set an alarm for 1030 and I was up, right? I was up. But you wanted to do it earlier and then we were unable to do it in the morning. Thank God, too, because the news ended up coming <laughs> out after we would have recorded. So that would have just been awkward. But now we really had time to plan. So when the news came out, first of all, I freaked out. I was like, oh, my gosh, like it actually happened. Like, it happened, classic Canucks fashion, happens on a Friday afternoon. The only way it could have been more Canucks is if it was a long weekend right now. That would be just chef's kiss, like beautiful. <laughs> Anyways, so I get out of bed around 10.30, around that time, and this happens, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, okay, this is this is what needs to... This is what needs to happen. Like, I need to get onto Canucks Army, I need to see how we're going to cover this, what we're going to do, and again, just out of bed... And I get an email from Canucks PR with the official statement, uh, and it has a link to the Jim Benning media availability. Now, I know I'm not going to be able to ask any questions on this Zoom call. Really, I had a couple questions, and I knew they were all going to get asked. So I just wanted to be on the call in order to tweet it out right away, tweet out all the information right away. So I hop yeah. on the Zoom call. Uh, Jim's talking to the media, and it was something else, man. Like, it was it was good stuff. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I... Uh, I was listening to it and I was just like, wow, okay, like this, this is a bit of a spin job. Like, you know, I, I was just like when he was saying certain stuff, I was just like, okay, well, I've had this confirmed by multiple people that this isn't really true. So, I mean, 
I don't know, like, I'm personally not in the boat of, you know, oh, Jim Benning trashes everybody as they leave the organization, but there's a lot of people out there who are under that impression that, you know, as soon as there's a disagreement, or, or a number of disagreements, rather, and somebody leaves the organization and Jim Benning's talking about it, some people are pointing out that, okay, well, he didn't say very nice things about Trevor Linden when he was leaving the organization, and, you know, kind of the same thing with Judd Brackett, like, I don't know, like, you'll hear Rachel talk about it, I think she's a little more qualified to talk about it than I am, but she she said, like, this was a tornado of a spin job, that's what she put it, that's how she put it, so a tornado of a spin job is what we got today, which is just hilarious, and, I mean, we're obviously going to go over what Benning said on the call, but that's basically my reaction, is that, you know, obviously, this isn't the podcast for you if you just want to hear us, you know, cry about Judd Brackett being gone from the organization, like, we're not just going to sit here and be upset about it. Like, we're going to give you some actual analysis here and going to try and, you know, give you some information that you can actually use. So, I mean, we're not the podcast for you if you just want to hear us complain about stuff. Except no, Nikita Triampkin. Yeah, no, if you want that, we, we definitely have you covered on that. But, yeah, I think that the thing that's come out so much lately, and, you know, it's funny the way you're talking about the conversation with Rachel is similar to the one that I had with Cam about, you know, the way that Judd Brackett left this organization is obviously – a tough one. I mean, obviously there was there was a lot of battling going on between it seemed like them since since December really, right? This is when, you know, contract talks and they were kind of in the talks of it. Jim Benning just said it like a couple of weeks ago that they're still in talks with Judd Brackett. Um, obviously that wasn't going on because they they didn't couldn't finalize anything. Judd's going to be a free agent on July 1st. Um, and that's it really interesting for me because the draft is obviously pushed back quite a bit. So the Canucks aren't going to have Judd Brackett for this draft. I know they don't really have a lot of high picks, so it's not going to be that different. But then again, everyone says that general managers make the first round picks anyway, so it's a little bit strange to me. But we're going to miss Judd Brackett a lot on this Canucks organization. If you look at each one of the people on this staff and you look at what their job is and what they have to try and accomplish every year, Judd Brackett might be one of the only guys who's been able to get an A-plus grade or close to an A grade on every single year since he's been in that position. I mean, you look at other guys around this org, Jim Benning doesn't get an A every year. You know, John Weisbrow doesn't get an A every year. But just the way that I've heard the stuff come out over the past little bit and, you know, talking to a lot of people over the past couple days, the story, like, I, I knew that the problem was bad with Judd Brackett. I knew that that was going on. I knew it was a crappy situation. But talking to a lot of people that are in the know, um, it's it might be worse than I actually thought it was in the first place. Yeah, I, that's what I'm picking up right now, too. And I mean, you know, when we hear the word autonomy, I just want to point this out to people. When we hear the word autonomy, okay, we're thinking right away, you know, it's the director of amateur scouting. We're thinking he just wants to have the final say on every pick that the Canucks make. But it goes beyond that. There's a growing body of evidence here from Judd Brackett himself, who put out the following statement. I want to thank the Vancouver Canucks organization, its fans, and the city for the past 12 years. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to have led the amateur scouting department. I did leave, I, I sorry, I leave proud of the work we did, the collaboration within the department, and the replenishment of the prospect pool. Unfortunately, an agreement on the level of input going forward with regard to staff, personnel, and process could not be reached. For those who worked with me, I enjoyed having you. I enjoyed working as a team, and please know our friendships are forever. Which is just a beautiful way to end that sentence. But the the thing I want to point out here is the wording there, with regard to staff personnel. And you know, I read that, and then I think back to Rachel and I's conversation, which you'll hear later in the show. And Rachel said, like, autonomy goes beyond the draft picks. Like, 
there is a growing body of evidence that Judd Brackett did not want to see the scouts that were fired last summer. I don't think he wanted them fired. And when you're the director of a department, I know I had somebody on Twitter telling me this isn't the case, but again, I confirmed it with people who actually work in NHL organizations. So sit down. Um, Basically, when you're the director of an amateur scouting department, typically you have the authority to fire and hire uh scouts and i mean that's your department it makes sense obviously you're going to run it by the gm once in a while if you're going to make some drastic move or something but this is carefully worded from judd brackett he used collaboration in the department instead of the organization again that's no accident and then number two staff personnel decisions and this is from rachel she tweeted this it leads me to believe he's a director who wasn't allowed to make personnel decisions so when think about it here, when we look at the scouts that were fired, I don't think it was last summer, sorry, two summers ago, when we look at the scouts that were fired two summers ago, or was it this summer? I'm looking it up. But when we look at that, do we all of a sudden kind of think, okay, well, now it's, it's not, it's not the, not the same, right? And sorry, I just looked it up. It was last summer. They did change yeah. up the scouting staff uh, last summer. So Again, like, was this Judd Brackett doing this or was this out of his control? And then we match up our timeline of when this all kind of, when, you know, crap hit the fan. And again, it, it all goes back to that draft last summer. And now we have a growing body of evidence that the autonomy doesn't just refer to, you know, I want to pick this guy and that's the end all and be all, which isn't really how it's going to work anyway. But when it becomes, you know not being able to choose who is in your scouting department when you're in charge of deploying those scouts and utilizing them to the best of their abilities and getting this best scouting staff you can again, like then it becomes, okay, where's, where's my authority here? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you want to give a guy to run a department, but you're not going to give him the right to really run that department is what it kind of feels like. Right. I mean, like, the way that the problem with that I have with the whole situation is like a lot of people aren't really talking about Judd Brackett like really doing this the right way. Like he started, he was with the Vancouver Canucks organization for 12 years. Mm-hmm. He worked his way up to the spot doing a great job. Then he gets to a point where he's at right now and he's continuing to do a great job, I believe. And he, you know, there's no room to grow. And the thing that we're coming out and seeing right now is the, the fact that his contract was the exact same amount of money. He didn't ask for any more. He just wanted more more power, more autonomy, like you mentioned. That's the word of the day on Canucks Twitter for sure. But, like, this is a guy who is doing a grade-A job. He's going to be of value to any organization. And this is just another situation, it feels like, where the Vancouver Canucks management, whether it be Jim Benning, John Weisbrod, like a lot of people like to talk about, or Francesco Accolini. I mean, somebody there is having a problem with these guys trying to have a bigger voice and actually do their right job. When it just feels like Jim Benning is a guy who... I don't know. It's it's hard to even like put into words because I just feel like he is he's he's wanting to be a scout that he's always been and that's a problem with Judd Brackett. Like if the, a lot of the rumors that we're hearing out there right now are the fact that, you know, Judd Brackett was obviously in the camp of pushing for Pedersen in 2017. Jim Benning was in the camp of Cody Glass, and I just think that with a lot of this stuff going on with these draft picks, like this is Judd Brackett's job to do every single day of the year. He's supposed to scout players and prepare your team to have a good draft board. Then maybe I guess you hand that off to Jim Benning at a certain point. But if you're so strong and strongly opinionated about different players, like you need to be able to speak out and say that. And the thing that Cam kept bringing up in the conversation was maybe, you know, maybe that's a problem with this group. I mean, if you if you speak out or you have a different opinion against Jim and John, it just seems like you're gone, right? And they've been getting rid of some really smart hockey minds, and it just 
you know, if you're getting rid of great hockey minds and smart hockey minds, you must hope that you have some in-house already. And, like, the Canucks do, obviously. Like, they have some really smart people in that organization. But if you're pissing off Jim and John and that gets you fired and thrown out of town, like Wisebrod or or now Judd Brackett, like, it's it's just horrible to me that they're getting rid of these great minds who have done a great job in their positions. Well, okay, a couple things here. So I want to talk about how, you know, you mentioned Jim likes to scout. And again, he brought that up himself on the Zoom call today. Like he said, my background is in scouting and I want to be a little bit involved in that, which is fine, you know, whatever. You know, I'm not going to knock him for that. Sure. Um, but there's a, there's a thing here that I kind of want to point out. Like he said, this is a direct quote from Jim Benning. We got to a point where I think Judd is looking for another opportunity and a fresh start, and so are we. We're not going to skip a beat here. We have a foundation in our scouting group. So now my task has become, okay, let's reach out and see who the Canucks like in that organization that they could promote maybe to the head, or sorry, director of amateur scouting. And I'm looking for names and nobody's really telling me anything definitive. Like there's no name that really pops out. I'm sure they have somebody. Cause again, like Benning touted that he has a good scouting staff at his disposal. And he even said like, we might look outside for, um, for, to fill the position like outside the organization. But again, you'll hear it in the conversation with Rachel. She said, that's probably unlikely just because of how we've seen the structure of Jim and John work. Uh, she says it's probably unlikely that they'll go for an outside source. They'll probably, uh, it'll probably be an internal promotion. So, I mean, we'll see. But again, she also mentions that there's really no point in slapping a title on somebody. It's probably just going to be John Weisbrod. Like, that's her opinion on it. Is It's hmm. probably just going to be John Weisbrod that runs the draft. And I know that scares a lot of people. <laughs> I mean... It is what it is, I guess, but it's 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 tough to swallow, I guess, that you're going from Judd Brackett, who really hasn't made a mistake, <laughs> I, I guess, in, in quite some time in the scouting department, and you're going to John Weisbrod, whose track record is really, like, full of mistakes, right? And I mean, that's just, that's just, I guess that's tough to swallow. Yeah, most definitely is. And you know what? We've uh, we've mentioned the conversations quite a bit. I think we should just dive right into them. Um, we'll start with the first one that you had with Rachel Dory, uh, and we'll follow that right up with Cam Robinson. Uh, so I'm just going to throw to them right now because I think these, these conversations are going to be the heart of the episode. These people know more about the situation than both of us. Uh, we're learning from them on this, so I think we'll just throw right to them. So well, let's lead it off with your conversation, Quads, with uh, Rachel Dory. All right, guys, very pleased to be joined now by Rachel Dory, former analyst with the New Jersey Devils and current host of the Staff and Graph podcast. Did I get that right, Rachel? Yeah, you did. You got it right. Even the name pronunciation and everything. Perfect. Well, you helped me out with the name pronunciation. I was going to guess that's how you pronounced it, but I wasn't too sure. So thank you for joining us. I'm very excited to have you on the show. Why don't you just kind of tell people a bit about your background? Yeah, so... um Kind of like you mentioned, I spent like 14 months uh, with the Devils um, and I was in their player information and video department and I did a lot of things with that department. Um, but one of those things was um, compiling and preparing for the amateur and well, we did free agency as well, but the amateur draft. So whether that's like creating profiles, compiling scouting reports, um, I pretty much touched every person in the hockey operations department, whether it was John Hines or um, Ray Shiro or Paul Castron, who is the equivalent of Judd Brackett in um, New Jersey. And just because I kind of handled like all of the uh, the statistical analysis, that's the department that I worked in. Um, 
and so that's kind of my background. And now I'm doing um, a master's of sports science at York University in Toronto. And I'm actually focusing on um, the NHL amateur draft, uh, just different trends in both drafting and development coming out of that. So that's actually, I'm doing my master's, I guess, in the NHL draft. Which is exactly why we think it's a great idea to have you on today's show, because the main topic of this show is Judd Brackett, the news today that the Canucks have parted way with their uh, director of amateur scouting. So we, we're very happy to have you on to kind of give your take on this. So I kind of just want to run by you the stuff that Jim Benning was saying this morning on the Zoom call that we all had with him. So I guess the biggest piece of information from this story developing, I don't know how closely you followed it, but basically... There was reports that in January that the organization and Bracket may be heading opposite directions. Right. And now, you know, it's kind of boiled over. There was reports from J.D. Burke, reports from Satyar Shah, all kind of saying the same thing that, yes, the organization and Bracket are definitely going to be parting ways in the near future. And it really came down to autonomy at the draft. And Jim Benning talked today about the importance of having collaboration at the draft and how he didn't want to give up some of the things that Judd was asking him to give up. And it sounded like, well, actually it is for sure that Judd wanted more autonomy. Uh, That's what Jim Benning said. So, I mean, just kind of your initial reaction on all of that. Um, So I would say this. uh, I've been following just kind of this entire situation probably for 16 months now. Um, So I think I've probably paid attention a little bit more than anybody else in Toronto uh, from that perspective. Um, But my take uh, on that is, is sort of, I think you need to be careful when you're discussing autonomy within a department and and how you frame that. Uh, I don't think it's a secret to say that NHL PR um, departments like to spin things and GMs like to spin things. Um, I think you have to, uh, to, to kind of be successful at certain points, but, um, kind of what you just read off there, it kind of just seems to me that things start started to go South, uh, probably last year at the draft. And perhaps there weren't open lines of communication between management and Judd Brackett after Trevor Linden left. And that I would not be surprised if that continued throughout the entirety of this year. And then uh, with a contract extension being offered and it kind of coming out that um, it was a two-year extension and there wasn't really a raise involved, if I'm remembering that correctly. And a lot of the decision-making had been taken away from Judd. So, for example, um, things like being able to hire scouts or dismiss scouts. When you run a scouting staff and you're the director of amateur scouting, uh, in hockey or otherwise, and specifically otherwise, actually, if you're the director of a department, you very much should be able to make hiring and dismissal decisions. That should be on you. And then if you make a mistake, you should have to wear that and you should have to atone for that. So I think... Things like that are important to point out um, because it has come out that Judd either lost the autonomy to make those decisions or never had it in the first place. And I think if you're a director of a department, um, you should probably be able to have a significant say in who you're leading. Yeah, exactly. Like that's kind of the the mood around the around the market right now is that, you know, it, it 
doesn't seem like Judd was asking for too much. But again, we're only getting one side of the story right now. So with that being said, I want to add another quote from Jim on here. So he did say, I don't know too many places where the team is going to give a head scout total autonomy to make all the picks without collaborating with the people higher up on the chain of command. And now, when you and I were texting before this, you mentioned that you wanted to talk about the importance of collaboration in an NHL scouting department. Well, yeah, like, okay, let's be very honest here. Does Judge Brackett or anybody who's an amateur scouting director just walk into their GM's office and say, this is the guy we're picking? That's probably not the case. That would be unwise. What generally happens is there are multiple scouting meetings over the course of the year. There's one, there's a beginning of the year meeting, there's a midterm meeting in January, there's usually one in April, then there's the combine, then there's the week of the draft. Like, that's five huge meetings. And you usually have all your scouts present at most of, at least three of these, if not all of them. And the collaboration is important because you're getting different opinions. It's important to have those crossover scouts. And let's face it, when you're the director of amateur scouting, you are a crossover scout. Like, I can tell you that uh, I know people in the industry that have seen Judd in Russia, in Europe, all over the U.S. I personally have seen him in a rink in Toronto. So he's everywhere. He has seen all these players. And if you're a GM the odds that you have seen all of these players are slim and none because that's not your job. Your job is to generally manage the NHL team. So you need to be in that city taking care of the day-to-day things. You have contracts to consider. You have uh, trades to consider. You have coaching and various other things to consider. So you need to be able to trust that the people you've put in charge of various things such as scouting that require an immense amount of travel are knowledgeable and able to make decisions. And so in terms of collaboration, yes, should Jim and John Weisbrod be up to speed on what's going on? Absolutely. Should they have knowledge of the first round so that when Vancouver has to make a a first round pick, they kind of have an idea and they can provide their perspective. This is what I think. But the reality of the situation is GMs really only show up at U18s, the Holinka tournament, uh, the World Juniors. It is rare that GMs are just out and about scouting, and I can say that based on a personal experience. Um, so I think it's you should be giving Judd Brackett the autonomy. So um, I think there was a story that came out about Jake Vertanen and how uh, Judd Brackett or whomever else, maybe it was Thomas Gradine, um, was pushing for either Nylander or Ehlers. And it was clear that they had seen those players. And the Canucks ended up taking Vertanen, and I think we can all agree that that was, in hindsight, a poor choice. And that speaks to me that maybe there isn't a deg- that degree of trust in the, in the scouting staff. So is collaboration important? Yes. Is the GM's opinion important? Yes. Is the director of player personnel important absolutely but at the end of the day you have to be able to trust the people that you put in charge otherwise there's really no point of having them there and so for me that that's kind of how I look at it um especially like I think the Quinn Hughes pick was kind of automatic but there was a great deal of um I guess disagreement from what's come out um on the Pod Colson pick and should they have taken him Mm -hmm. and I think yeah 
that you need to be able to trust the people that you put in charge. Otherwise, like, there's just no point of having them there. And it becomes a group think. Yeah, exactly. And, okay, so I did want to mention that um, Jim Benning has said that, obviously, they're going to fill the position. They're going to look internally first because he says they're confident with their scouting department. They've got a lot of great scouts in there. And he said he's going to look externally as well. Like, they're not closing the door on that. How much of a rush do you think they should be in with the draft being in September or October, whenever it's going to be now? We know it's going to be sometime in the fall, maybe early winter at this point. Um, With that being said, how much of a rush do you think they should be in to get a new director of amateur scouting? Um, To be honest, if all you're going to do is just slap a title on someone, I don't really think that's the best idea. Um, I think... I think very highly of Judd Brackett. I've heard absolutely nothing but great things about him. Um, I obviously have never worked with him myself. Um, but he's he's got a ton of respect from the people that I talk to, so I think losing him it will show itself to be a mistake. Um, but I think if you believe, and it's become clear, so I believe the Canucks made... Uh, some dismissals maybe over the summer or last year in their scouting department. Um, And so if you believe that they got rid of people that maybe thought similarly to Judd or thought opposite to John Weisbrod and Jim Benning, then it becomes this tight circle group think situation. So then I would lean more towards the Canucks should look to hire outside but I don't think they will because if it's become clear that John and Jim like a tight circle, then the odds of them just promoting someone that's already in their inner circle of trust is very high. So I think from that perspective, that's probably what you can expect. Um, but at this point, now that Judd's not going to be there in terms of the importance of having someone, if you trust the bodies you have there, and it's become abundantly clear that uh, John Weisbrot has a big... Uh, influence on the draft, then why don't you just let him run the draft? Like, if you believe so firmly in in his work uh, enough that you're willing to let Judd Brackett walk away, then there's no sense in just giving someone a title. I mean, you might as well just let Wisebrod run the draft. Hmm, Interesting. I'm sure a lot of Canucks fans are really going to like to hear that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure they'll be thrilled with that. Yeah, you know how much everybody loves John Wisebrod in this market. One last thing before I let you go here. Jim added that he thinks Judd has other opportunities that he's looking at. Really, how likely do you think it is that he's picked up almost immediately? I think that, well, his contract's up, I believe, I want to say, if it's like everyone else's, it's like June 30th, July 1st situation. It is, yeah, right? it is, okay. it is. Um, I would be shocked if he was not hired by another team within a week. And here's the thing, when you're that highly respected, um, Judd will be unemployed as long as Judd Brackett chooses to be, because uh, there's clearly some turmoil in Arizona happening right now, and there's probably some other teams that may be looking to make some changes, and the reality is, if Judd is this highly respected, you're always looking, or you should be always looking to improve your staff, and I think Judd would be a welcome addition Uh, pretty much anywhere. Um, I think Seattle probably should take a long look at him. Um, But yeah, I think that Judd will have options and he will be able to take whatever time he wants and needs to decide 
what situation is best for him. Because at the end of the day, he's not going to go somewhere just to have a repeat of this situation. At least I don't think he will. Um, I don't know this, mm-hmm. but I, I certainly wouldn't be aiming for a repeat of this situation in the same way that other people who have worked in um, non-ideal working environments wouldn't be looking for a repeat of that situation. So uh, that's kind of how I would look at it, but I, I really don't think that Judd will be unemployed long. I would think that he probably is with a new team at the draft table whenever that draft is. Quick follow-up to that. Speaking of a new team, Jim was asked, are you worried that Judd is going to take Canucks draft intel to his new team? He said he's not. What do you think about that? Okay, so there's a... Oh my goodness. There is a difference between Canucks draft intel and Judd Brackett intel. Okay? So all of the reports that Judd Brackett has filed and all of the work he's done in the Canucks rink net, because that's the program all the NHL teams use and it's archaic, um, he's not going to be able to take all of that with him because that's technically Canucks property. But Judd has a bunch of things living in his brain, like when he has interviewed players this year, that just kind of sit in his brain. So if I tell you something... While I'm working for... Actually, perfect example. I learned things while I was working for New Jersey. Do I all of a sudden forget these things when I come out of school or go work for another team? No, they live in my brain. Do I have to outwardly say this? No, but I I don't think Judd is going to be sharing scouting reports or anything like that. He... um, I don't think people operate like that, but is Judd going to lean on the knowledge he gleaned scouting this year? Absolutely, because... He did that work, it lives in his brain, and he will be able to use that. So, I I mean, he's not going to take all the Canucks lists, like, that's, you don't do that, but he'll have an idea and he'll be able to kind of use his intel um, on things that he gathered to bring it to another team, because that's, I mean, the reality is it's not like he's been let go, his contract's done. So he doesn't really have to answer for anything for the Canucks. Rachel, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me on. I think like I'm super interested to to see kind of what happens because uh, Canucks fans, I will say this, uh, you are absolutely right to be upset with not only that this has happened, but at how it was handled. Because, I mean... To beat around the bush and then try and have a tornado-level spin job today was, uh, nobody deserved that. Yeah, it's it's something else. And yeah, Canucks fans are absolutely crazy on Twitter and in the city in general. Yep. So thanks for having me on. I mean, I really appreciate it. And uh, I think we'll all be watching with keen eyes to see, A, when Judd speaks, because I think eventually he will, and B, where he ends up. I couldn't agree more. I'm very excited to see how this continues to develop. Thanks, Rachel. And before we continue any further, I just want to give a quick shout-out to the presenting sponsor of the Canucks Conversation. That's right, Parallel 49 Brewing Company. And guess what, folks? Their street kitchen is now open. Obviously, they're following precautions from the COVID-19 and Phase 2 that's going on right now in British Columbia. But they are open for your service now. You can come in, buy beer. You can also come in and have some beers on their patio or indoors. they got everything set up with the plexiglass uh, in between the tables. So go out and check that out. They're in the East Van location on Triumph Street. 
street. So go ahead and swing by if you want to go grab some great beers. And as well, they have the Monster Pack as well, folks. The massive 49-pack of beer. Go ahead, check that out as I have a big Harley drive-by at my house. So you might have heard in the background there. Go out there and try some Parallel 49 Brewing Company beer, folks. It is delicious stuff. And make sure to check out the Monster Packs and send me a tweet uh, if you do pick one of these up. Because I want to see how big they are in person. Alright guys, joining us now, we had to bring him on here because he is a one of my favorite scouts, obviously, doing great work with Elite Prospects, Dauber Prospects, any other website that has prospects in the name, pretty much, you can find him there. Cam Robinson, at Hockey underscore Robinson on Twitter. How you doing, Cam? Good, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing awesome, uh, I think. But uh, we recently, within the last probably 20 minutes or so, found out that the Canucks parted ways uh, with Judd Brackett. What are your initial thoughts on this situation? Uh, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised in the least. I guess the, 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 maybe the one surprise is that they've actually announced it and dealt with it. Uh, you know, they kind of just let this sit and fester all year, uh, knowing the market that they, that they're working in and how rabid the fan base is and how popular Judd is with the fan base and, and knowing that he's not expiring deal. And so, you know, they've just left that and, and basically not said anything about it except for, you know, we're confident that we'll get something done a couple of times when everybody could read between the lines, which that meant that they're not confident that they'll get something done. So I guess that there's an announcement's a little surprising, but that they're parting ways is, is not surprising in the least. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's tough because you, you brought up a good point there how, like, the fan base loves Judd Brackett so much. But I'm curious, like, because you, you've talked to a lot of scouts and stuff, how much does really, like, a director of scouting impact a draft? Because I feel like, a, you know, a lot of people are saying that it's a collaborative effort but at the same time, I mean, Judd Brackett's done a pretty good job with his Vancouver Canucks over the past couple of years, specifically in, in, I guess, his area of expertise, which is, you know, some of these USHL guys and American players that he's found later in the rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, he was a regional scout there for a while, and he obviously did a great job at that position. And then it was Benny and company who who promoted him to this role that he that he currently was in as, as the, the head of amateur scouting. Um, you know, it is a collaborative effort, 100%. And I think a big part of the reason that the, they're parting ways here is that that collaboration had run into a bit of a brick wall. Hmm. So you, you need to trust the guys that have boots on the ground, uh, you know, whether they're in the rink or they're, or they're watching, you know, hundreds of hours of film. Um, these are the guys that you're paying to do this job. And so uh, I, I think at the end of the day, when they're making their draft list, that it is a collaborative effort. It's a democracy, but when they're, you know, when it really gets down to brass tacks, it's, it's more of a dictatorship and that's where it lands on, on the head of a uh, bracket. And, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding is that, you know, the Canucks have been a demonstrably better drafting club since he's taken over and now it hasn't been perfect and it never will be right you could have the greatest eye in hockey and you're still not going to be pulling perfect drafts out of your hat um we know the whispers that uh you know that jim has has had his kind of his hands all over that draft list especially in the first round and that's not uncommon either is that you know the kind of rule of thumb for a while is that the gm makes the first round pick and the scouting staff makes the rest of the picks for you um now obviously the the gm should probably be taking some some direction from the, the, the scouts and his head of amateur scouting for that first round pick. But at the end of the day, you know, if it comes down to two players, it's the GM's decision. And that's his, that's his prerogative. And, you know, he's the boss. And so that's okay too. But the fact that there was such a divide between them is this gulf that has grown despite so much success at the draft. Um, it just speaks to that collaboration is it, it was failing. And, and, you know, they said in that statement too, that, you know, it, it's probably best for the organization and it probably is best for the organization because they weren't, they weren't going to get along well enough to make it work, and so it, it's probably best for best for both parties to, to part ways here. Yeah, and I think you know it, it's it's hard for people to kind of defend that it's not a loss, right? It definitely is a loss for this team. He's done a pretty good job in the end, but 
like you mentioned, like we talked about it a little bit, and we see it so much in the market how you know a lot of people do hype up Judd Brackett, you know, to the point of asking like, is it is there too much hype for a guy who's in that role with the Vancouver Canucks? Do you think? I think because of the way it was handled, is that. I think the myth, the the legend of Judd Brackett has been <laughs> rightfully earned. Um, he has an eye for talent, and and you know I've I've spoken to him at length about certain guys that you know the Canucks have pulled these draft plus ones, or you know where did he see Aiden McDonough coming from? Because like I'm watching these players too. Yeah, you know Tyler Madden. I think I had you know in the mid fourth or something like that, and they snapped him up in the third, and and you know I, I think they they liked him even earlier than that sort of thing too, and and so he's he. He has this ability. He knows some of these players, especially the ones out east in, in Massachusetts. There, that he's watched them for a long time. He knows them. He knows their families. Um, he can. He has insight into the drive that these players have, and that's that's just so valuable to have. And you know, the fact that the Canucks just kind of let this roll out the way it has, I think that they are they're kind of they add a gasoline to the fire that is building up the hype around him. And so, you know, people saying that he he should be just you know fire bending and give the give the job to Brackett and we'll keep him. It's like that's not really realistic. You don't yeah. you don't make that leap from from head of amateur scouting into a GM role. But you know, I think that he's definitely on track to to head in that direction. And if this was an organization that valued him as much as the public does, and I think as much as another organization will, they would have been putting him on that track too. But if that's the case, then obviously he's a threat to Jim Benning and, and, and John Weisbrot. So, uh, you know, when you look at it in that light, it makes a lot of sense why there was a divide. Is that, you know, is this a guy who's a potential threat to my job at some point? Hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, that is kind of how the situation feels like it played out for a lot of people. Do you think that, like, it feels like he's just going to land anywhere immediately, right? It feels like, I think you sent out the tweet just earlier, he's he's going to be the best free agent available right now uh, in the NHL this summer. Yeah, he'll be sought after. Now, the thing is, and, and it's unfortunate, is that this summer is going to be, it's going to be unique because we don't know when seasons are going to start next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the CHL isn't starting until December, if they're going to mimic what the NHL is going to do, um, you know, is there is there going to be a lot of teams hiring scouts? Um, I think that he's going to have enough pedigree and enough experience and cachet that he'll, I think he'll land on his feet. And I think it'll be really quickly, but um, I know for a lot of scouts that are on expiring deals this year, that even if their clubs want to keep them on, it's like, do we bother signing them right now? Or do we just wait and see what happens? Is, is there a point in, paying these guys to watch film of European leagues that are maybe firing up, or do we just trust that to our European scouts and just wait? So a lot of these guys are going to, you know, with young families and stuff, are kind of going to be left holding the bag a little bit, like, where's my next paycheck going to be coming from? And yeah. and I hope that isn't the case for Judd Brackett, but I, I think that, like I said, I think he's got enough pull and, and the experience that he's shown that, that a team will snap him up pretty quick. Most definitely. And, and that's, you know, you bring up a good point with the draft and stuff. I mean, like, his, his contract's going to expire at the end of June, I believe, right? Yeah, that's right. So if he expires at the end of June and we do the draft, who knows when, you know, later than that, how much is that going to affect the Vancouver Canucks organization, do you think? Well, it's going to affect them greatly. Um, you know, from all reports, though, they've basically iced him out for a while now, though. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, they've, they've been doing their own thing and, and kind of excluding him. He's been doing his job, obviously. Um, so whoever hires him, if they decide to hire him before the draft – they're bringing in a whole wealth of information for this draft class. And, you know, so for any team that's interested, um, I'd be looking at that and be like, we're grabbing a guy who we're going to plug into our organization right now ahead of a draft, and we're going to take all that information he's accrued and all that knowledge of the organization in Vancouver, too. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, letting him go, they're letting go of some trade secrets as well, too. 
Most definitely. And I, I, I'm wondering, like, with all these draft picks that he's made over the past, which one is the one that you just feel like has a 100% Judd Brackett stamp on it? Oh, there's several, right? So, so Gaudette, Madden, Rathbone, uh, McDonough, uh, you know, these, these guys all, I, I feel like, are all uh, prototypical Judd picks. Those are guys that he, that he was going after and knew well and, uh, and pushed for them to be picked. Uh, I'm sure there's several others that I'm not thinking of right now, too. Um, but those, those ones come to mind for sure. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it's, it's tough because like, you know, we wanted, we wanted this guy to stay around with the Vancouver Canucks for a long time, but it just feels like the power struggle was the biggest problem. And that, and that's too bad. Like, is that something that's just going to have to reflect bad on the management group? Because, you know, it just feels like it, it was something that, you know, they were just taking away the power from Judd Brackett from what, like some of the reports we've heard. And it just seemed like Jim Benning and John Wisebrod just, didn't want to give up any of that power. And I feel like that's just the thing that I don't like about this whole situation. No. And, and you know what, to be quite honest, I think it, it reflects negatively on everyone involved. So it, it, you know, the, the way that they've handled it and, you know, the information that's leaked out that it's basically been a tale of two cities on whoever was on, on the Cody glass side of the fence in 2017 and whoever was pushing for Elias Pettersson, um, you know, Elias Pettersson was drafted, but the other side of the table has just been systematically removing those those contrarian voices, the, those ones that stood up and said, "No, we we demand that we settle this right now. Who's it going to be? Who are we going to pick? And we're going to stick with it on the draft floor. There's going to be no changes." Huh. And you know, Trevor Linden was on that side of the table, and he gave a voice to those scouts, and and you know, inevitably it worked out. And you know, instead of being like, you know, uh, okay, great, you guys were on the right side here, it's been like, no, you know we know who was on our team and we know who was on that team and, and Lyndon has got, he's gone. That was his team. And now they're just slowly fading away. But at the same time, you know, it doesn't look great on Judd too, that a bunch of information was coming out on it. Um, you know, Elliot Friedman spoke to that too, is that you don't, it's mostly a job of anonymity when you're, when you're the head of amateur scout, you're not supposed to, people aren't supposed to know when your contract's up. They're not supposed to be giving you all the credit for all the draft picks. Obviously, you know, really intelligent fans. I mean, there's a lot of them diehard ones in Vancouver. They know who the head of amateur scouting is, especially if the team's scouting well, or if they're scouting really poorly. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, you know, I'm sure Judd doesn't want his name out in the media this much. He didn't want the circus that surrounded him, too, because he wants to go to his next job and be like, hey, hey, GM, who's hiring me? I'm not going to come in here and cause a headache for you, right? It's not going to be a media circus. I'm going to come in. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do it well. So, you know, he didn't love this either, I'm sure. Uh, so it just – the whole thing, it, it's unfortunate, and it's a it's a shrinking circle in Vancouver right now, and at the top of the – the head of the snake is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and, and that's when you just get an echo chamber. You just get – you know, one person says one thing, and it's like, I agree. Everyone nods their head, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, and that's not very productive for, for developing and, and gaining and, and becoming a better organization and a better leadership group. Um, you need people with differing opinions, differing thoughts, and those who have – you know, the backbone and the spine to actually stand up and be like, you know what, I think you're wrong despite being my boss. And this is why. And you pay me to tell you that, right? Yeah. And so in, in Vancouver, we're seeing that that, the, that role is, has quickly been diminished. Well, I'm, I'm curious how you deal with it, Cam, because I know that you, you're obviously in talks with a lot of different scouts. And I know personally, you know, when I watch a guy and I watch him a ton, you know, and I like what he's doing. I'm going to vouch for him pretty hard. But you're dealing with so many people that are watching so much of different leagues and stuff. How do you kind of find that balance of of listening to another scout, but also knowing that you know he might be talking a lot because that's his guy? Like, I wonder if if that was something that might have been going on in the Canucks organization. 
yeah, you know, it's true because, <clears throat> pardon me, people do get strong opinions on players. And especially if you, you know, for instance, like we can we can look at Benningham for, for this too, is that, you know, he comes from a scouting background. So he obviously exactly. feels very confident in, in his eye and his ability to judge talent. Um, then now moving into the role that he's held now for the last, whatever, five or six years, um, he doesn't have the time. He can't go see 250 games a year. So, but what he can do is he can go see all the major events, right? He yeah. can go to the World Juniors. He can go to the Holenka, the U18s when the season's over. He can take little scouting missions here and there. And he might see a player who lights it up and has a great tournament, has a great, you know, three games. And, and that's what he gets to see of him. And so, you know, that's easy for you to be like, I like this guy. I can yeah. see where he's going to go. And, you know, that happens to me too. I'll see a player for four or five games and maybe he, those are the best four games of his season. And they're spread out through the year. And from my perspective, it's like, this guy's a hell of a player. And that's where you lean on that collaboration, right? So at Elite Prospects, we have, and at Dauber Prospects, we have a host of really smart people that have great eyes. And we have these chats going on. And we spend hours going back and forth on players. Here's what I see. Here's what I see. Here's a clip of what I saw. You know, And they can show you, be like, you know what? I didn't see that when I saw this player. Hmm. Um, you know, They didn't maybe see what I saw. So you work together. You come, you come together. And I constantly lean on other scouts. Constantly. Because... This isn't a job that I imagine I'm ever going to be perfect at and that someone's always going to have some knowledge that I don't have and I want it and give it to me, like share it with me so that I can go back and look and maybe adjust what I'm looking for and, and what I'm doing. And, and, and I think that collaboration, it's so key in, in basically every industry in the world, um, especially a, you know, a billion-dollar organization like the Canucks. It's, it's interesting. I've heard a lot of people, like a lot of smart hockey people talk about it. I've heard Ray Farrow talk about it. Mike Gillis has talked about it. Like They want to have assistant GMs that are going to challenge a general manager a little bit, you know, have a bunch of different voices in the room. And like you mentioned, an echo chamber, like that's, that's not great. I, like you can't have so many yes men in an organization to have it run a right way. I mean, if, if you want to empower some guys and bring them up to a certain level, whether it be a Judd Brackett moving to an assistant general manager or something like that, like, I feel like that does nothing but help to have the conversation instead of just being a yes man. No, I, and, and that's that's basically what I'm saying, too, is that I think that there's – at the end of the day, it is going to be the GM's call, right? Yeah. He, he is – throughout the whole draft, if he's going to hire a whole scouting staff and a head of amateur scouting and be like, listen, you're going to be the guy who runs all these scouts, but at the end of the day, I'm making the picks, and you got to be okay with that. And if someone signs on for that job to, to not have autonomy over the scouting department even in round five, you know what? That's what they're signing up for, and, and that's the prerogative of the GM to do. He's the boss. But if you – if you promote a guy or you hire a guy and you say like here's your here's your team, do well and we'll leave you alone. Mm-hmm. You know, great. Like that that's what you want. I might have my opinion on the first round pick, and you know, if, if you like a guy eight and I like a guy seven, we're going with seven. Yeah. Um, and, and and then after that, you kind of lean on on the on the people that have seen these players dozens of times versus maybe you saw one game of them internationally. Absolutely. Well, it's 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 going to be a busy couple days. How do you think Canucks Twitter is going to take this? <laughs> Oh, splendidly, right? Very calmly, <laughs> coolly, there, there there won't be any issue. No, most definitely not. It's definitely not going to be trending in the next hour and a half, that's for sure. No, definitely not. No, it, it should be fun, and, and you know, like we were talking off air there, it's it's nice slide it in on a, on a sunny Friday, heading on to the uh, weekend, so um, I'm sure it'll keep people's, uh, keep their phones nice and close to their pockets so they can get into some Twitter battles. Yeah, most definitely. Final thing I want to ask you, Byfield or Lafreniere, where are you at right now? Uh, you know, man, I, I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns. And actually, it's funny. I was just saying how we have these these scouting meetings all the time and, and on our Slack group for Elite Prospects um, because Byfield was trending there yesterday after that ISS stuff. Right. Um, you know, I, I've got my my flag firmly planted. I'm, I'm going to keep them at number one. 
Um, but we had a big debate. It's basically me against the world, right? Like every other <laughs> scout in that group. We all recognize what Byfield can do. And I love Alexis Lafreniere, too. I think he's going to be a hell of a player. I think he's going to be Jonathan Hoberdo on steroids. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, they're all, they're all trying to talk me down off the ledge to, to move, <laughs> move Byfield down to two. And I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm sticking with it. In five, seven, ten years, I might be way wrong, or, or I might be the smartest guy in the room. So I guess we'll find out. Right on. I'm going to lean towards the smartest guy in the room. You definitely are right now, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> awesome, Cal. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, just uh, for people that don't know, where can we find a bunch of your work coming up soon? Obviously, Elite Prospects, Dauber Prospects. Uh, what's some big stuff you got coming up soon? How are you kind of dealing with this draft situation? Yeah, so most of my writing has been cut with, with NHL being off. You know, I'm still writing for Dauber um, and then uh, doing a little bit of stuff for Elite Prospects. But mostly it's just been tape. I, we've been uh, we've been granted some access to some tremendous platforms uh, that compile all the games for all the players in all the world. I can watch a U15 game in former Yugoslavia if I want to. Um, so I've just been watching a ton of tape. We've been doing lots of draft profiles for, for both sites there, Dauber and for, for Elite, and we're gearing up for, for the big draft guides. And, uh yeah, just trying to get ready for the draft. We, we thought it was going to be any minute now, and so now we've got a little more time. So there'll be some more content coming out, and then obviously all the fun stuff on Twitter and uh, Sportsnet and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Well, that's been fun. And, and, yeah, we were kind of doing the same with this show. I kept telling quads, like, every week. I'm like, we got to get Cam on soon to talk about draft. And he's just like, we don't know when the draft's ever happening. <laughs> so, like, we were kind of confused when to get you on. Uh, but we had to get you on for this immediate reaction to Judd Braggett. So I appreciate you coming on, Cam. Yeah, no problem, Chris. It's always fun to chat. Absolutely, man. Talk to you soon. All right, take care. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50 before taxes. And Canucks Conversation podcast listeners can save $5 off their order with promo code CanucksConvo. That's all one word, promo code CanucksConvo. You can shop online or at their retail store located in Surrey. Once again, that was Zephyr Epic. You can follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. Fellas, Manscaped is here to make sure your balls are smooth while you or your partner are playing with them. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving your balls thanks to their Lawnmower 3.0 with cutting-edge ceramic blades to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. You'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Yes, you heard that right get 20 percent off and free shipping with promo code canucks convo at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code canucks convo make playing with your balls the best part of your day thanks manscaped and a big shout out to our two guests this week rachel dory started off with you quads and then cam robinson joining me as well they they know it better than than kind of anyone especially around this vancouver market so i think having them talk on it was pretty much the best thing we could do for this conversation though you know it's it's a tough loss you know it's a really tough loss with judd brackett in the end and i i just think that the canucks are really going to miss this guy and i just i hate the idea of losing good hockey minds in this organization i mean yeah it 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 definitely sucks dude and i mean you know we're speaking of great hockey minds jim benning was asked i can't remember what prompted this response but he was kind of asking asked about the hockey operations department as a whole 
and uh, and he mentioned Ryan Beach, who is you know <laughs> an absolute beauty, and he uh, he was on you know he was the managing editor of Canucks Army, all that stuff, and yeah, like, he's the one who brought me into Canucks Army actually, so he definitely has an eye for talent. I'll say that exactly. He's got an eye. Well, does he have an eye for talent? I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. That was your own tweet. I just ripped your own joke that you put out, which was really funny, by the way. But yeah, that was, that was awesome seeing Beecher get a get a little shout out there, and uh, yeah, I mean, also like, but at the same time. Really smart PR move by Jim Benning, if you ask me. Okay, you know, like yes, but I don't think. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. It is a smart PR move because I I would say that the only person that Canucks fans like more than Judd Brackett <laughs> is Ryan Beach in that organization. Absolutely. Um. So I mean, yeah, it, it, it's a smart PR move, but I don't think that was kind of the motivation behind. Uh, behind that decision I'm pretty sure it's just because Beecher just does excellent work like we saw it firsthand when we were reading all his work now Jim Benning has all that information for himself like he's lucky he's lucky and I think he knows it well I think like everybody saw what Beach was doing on Twitter and Canucks Army like when he was also working a full-time job and doing both those things could you imagine the kind of work that he's doing and you know working eight to ten hours (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But the the fact that he's a full time employee of the Vancouver Canucks now, I could just imagine like he must be crushing it uh, with the stuff that he's putting out for the Canucks. So I, I, I'm glad that he got the shout out. But I just I don't know. It's a smart move to me. Like it's a smart move mentioning Ryan Beach. Everybody loves Ryan Beach. I love Ryan. You're right. Beach. It's not a dumb move. It's far from a dumb move. <laughs> uh huh. Well, Quads. Aside from the Judd Brackett stuff, we've talked about it a lot uh, for the first 45 minutes of this episode. Um, but I wanted to quickly touch on a couple of other things before we wrap this thing up. Uh, like I mentioned, if you guys are looking for Corey Hergott, not on this week's episode, no riding the bus this week. We canceled that for the couple of interviews that we did instead. Uh, but you were also on the Zoom call, and I thought you found some interesting information about, you know, because I've been talking about uh, the Canucks and everybody in the NHL returning to hockey and how crappy it is on Bo Horvat because he's about to have his first child. Uh, he's not the only Canucks player who's going to be having a kid this summer as well, you found out. Yeah, no, um, it's going to be Jordy Ben, Antoine Roussel, and uh, and Bo Horvat. And I, I know a lot of people were talking about Bo Horvat because, you know, he made it really public that he was having a kid and everybody was is really excited. Like, I put out a tweet a while ago, like, we've watched Bo Horvat go from a kid to having a kid. You know what I mean? Like, he was 19 <laughs> when he got here. And there's going to be a day yeah. where you're at the Super Skills competition and baby Horvat is going to come on the ice in a flying skate jersey with a full cage on, hardly able to skate, and is going to tuck one on Mikey DiPietro. That's my prediction. Mark, book it. This is going to happen in five years. Love that. And everybody's yeah, excited for that. Everybody's excited <laughs> for that day. And I mean myself included. 100%. Like, myself included, man. And that's the thing, right? Is like, Bo was asked about, he's like, you know, the question was, how do you feel about having a, you know, a new baby boy on the way during a pandemic? And he kind of made the point of saying, you know, basically he just said it is what it is. He's like, I'm not the only one in this position. Guys have other commitments. And then uh, J-Pat asked him about any other Canucks that have kids on the way. And those were the two that came out. And I think, I think, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you remember. Roussel is due a week before Horvat, And Ben is due two or three weeks after Horvat. So... Correct yeah, me if I'm, I'm wrong, gonna, but I think that's what I'm going to say. You're right here. I'm not going to be able to correct you on this. <laughs> I don't know the, the dates. <laughs> Man, it's Canucks Twitter is so crazy that we know when all the kids' due dates are for the oh, Vancouver I know, Canucks eh? players. I know it. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it, it's tough, and I think the hockey's to that point right now where we're about to get it back, right? But these are the little things that that are going to affect players, and I just I keep thinking that you know it's going to come back and it's going to be great and everything, but I'm still worried in the end. You know, if if one player gets sick, that's 
that's enough, right? But I feel like that's not the way that the NHL is going to look at it. But we're going to have a lot more information on that stuff coming up next week. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else we want to talk about? We covered all the Judd stuff. There wasn't really much that you got out of the Brandon Sutter and, and Bo Horvat interview as well. But yeah, uh, you I did mean, actually get a question in, so that's you cool. know, anything crazy. But I, I'm, I don't know. I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty happy with the way everything's kind of gone in terms of you know how we were able to get Rachel and Cam for this episode. Like, this was a good episode for us, and we hardly did any of the talking. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how your interview with Cam went. I haven't listened to it yet, but, you know, for Rachel at least, I just threw her a few prompts, and she just ran with it. Like, she knew what she wanted to talk about, and I mean... It's it was awesome and I I I know it was it was tough for a lot of people to hear that there's more to this story than uh um than Jim Benning kind of led us to believe and that maybe there was a bit of a spin job here a tornado of a spin job according to Rachel and I mean yeah I guess that was tough to hear so I mean I guess that's all I really have to say about that yeah, there was uh, there was a lot to talk about, and I'm really happy we got Rachel and Cam on this episode because they were able to explain it to me, and I think I needed that at the same time. Um, and I do agree. I think that you know, especially hearing the quotes that came out of Jim today, like man, it seemed like he was trying to spin it a little bit. I'm glad that Judd put out that uh, that release, and I'm glad that got a little bit public because the situation. The more and more I hear about it, I know I said it earlier, but the more I hear about it, uh, the worse it sounds for Judd Brackett. Um, so I'm hoping that they can move forward with this and I hope they have a guy in mind that is going to help this organization continue on to do a great job with their scouting they obviously have a team in place that has the capability to do it um, but I don't know if they have anybody that could be able to step into that role of Judd Brackett's position and continue on the success that they've had we'll, we'll see very soon uh, if that'll happen or not uh, maybe not this year because we have no high draft picks anyway so it doesn't really matter that much I, I mean but Judd was uh, crushing it with the late round pick so I mean it does kind of matter um, but at the same time, we'll, we'll pretty much just wrap it up there. We aren't going to do a player breakdown this week. Uh, this, this episode had to be all about Judd Brackett. Um, and it, it's too bad. I had, a, I had a fun article with Aiden McDonough. I wanted to talk about that a little bit, but, uh, if you haven't checked that out, it's on Canucks Army. We're going to have a bunch of good stuff coming up in the next little bit here. Um, and yeah, I don't know if there's anything else you want to close out with quads. Yes, rate and review the show. Check out the uh, the giveaway as well. Parallel 49 is giving away that gift basket. Well worth over $100 of stuff in there. Uh, so go check that out. That's on our Twitter account. And, um, yeah, we'll see what news breaks next week, squad, uh, for episode 83 of the show. Uh, can you name the only Canuck to wear number 83? That's it. Just Jay Beagle. So we are hopefully going to have some big news next week so we don't have to talk the whole episode about Jay Beagle instead because I was so ready to go this week and just drop Goldie quotes the whole time because he's the only guy who wore number 82 for the Canucks. But we're lucky. We got some other stuff to, to talk about with the Judd Brackett stuff. I wouldn't call it lucky, actually. But uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show. Cam, for joining us. Uh, a couple of great guests to explain everything. Uh, but that basically wraps it up. I am vacationing on the island, so hopefully the audio has been okay for you guys throughout this episode. No, I probably should have mentioned that at the very start. Uh, but yeah, I'm back on the island doing a little bit of vacationing, seeing the family. And, yeah, uh, so I'm excited for this week ahead of me quads. On Apple Podcasts. That is true. You're going to have to find a new third. So uh, everybody DM quads if you want to jump in and play Warzone with them. <laughs> All right. And that wraps it up for episode 82 of the Canucks Conversation. Thank you for tuning in. And we it's will Jay be back Beagle. next week That's it, with right? Jay Beagle's episode 83.
That's awesome. I'm I'm happy for you. I'm, although I'm gonna miss you in Warzone at night. It's gonna suck. No, no, no! Don't don't do that. Please don't do that. I don't want to play with strangers. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs>